This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the LJS Podcast brought to you by learnjazzstandards.com. If you get value out of today's episode, consider adding value back by leaving us a one-time monthly or annual donation at learnjazzstandards.com slash support. We appreciate your help. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Brent. You're listening to the LJS Podcast. Welcome to the show. Today for episode 31, I'm going to be talking about ear training, all about ear training, ear training for jazz musicians, the importance of ear training, and how having a great ear will help you become a better jazz improviser. So I hope you'll stick around and, and listen into this episode. It's a very important episode, and, and I think it's incredibly important to, to talk about ear training because it really is a staple of learning to become a better jazz musician. But before I do that, I just want to invite you, if you haven't ever uh, signed up for our community, gotten involved in our community, our jazz community, the best way to do that is to sign up for our newsletter. And truly, there are things that newsletter subscribers get that that others don't that visit this website. So I want to encourage you to do that. It's really a great way to get connected with our community, to uh, get on the inside of what's going on with LearnJazzStandards.com. So if you haven't done that before, go to LearnJazzStandards.com slash newsletter, sign up there, for signing up, you actually get our free Jazz Guide to Practicing ebook. So that's an extra perk uh, for doing that. So go on over there, get connected with our community. There's so many, so many benefits for doing that. Okay, now we're going to jump into this episode about ear training, the importance of ear training. Why is ear training important to jazz musicians? Well, jazz is an improvisational music. We all know that. It's really based off of improvisation. You know, we play melodies of songs, but then we take solos. Solos are a huge part of jazz. It's really kind of the focus of jazz, the the individual musician and how the individual musicians work together and create music together as a collective. Now, in order to become a great improviser, you have to have a really sharp ear. You have to be able to hear melodies in your head, and then you have to be able to execute them, okay? So so that's kind of the first thing, is you have to be able to hear melodies in your head, and, and where that comes in is just learning jazz vocabulary, and we've talked about that a lot on this show and, and a lot in our blog about how to learn jazz vocabulary, why you should be learning jazz vocabulary, and, and different ways to do that. And that's one thing, is being able to hear those melodies in your head, but the other part of it is actually being able to execute that, and that's where your ear comes in. You have to develop your ear to a point where you can translate onto your instrument those melodies that you're hearing in your head and not let your ear and the instrument get in the way of doing that. Now, I really want to stress the importance of this to you, and I can't stress it enough. Really, the big 
the big defining difference between really great jazz musicians and ones that, you know, are kind of mediocre or maybe even amateur is the ear. Having a great ear really will set you apart as a jazz improviser. So I highly encourage you to take this very seriously, to to really work on your ear because it doesn't even just play into your solos. I mean, that's that's a big part of it, right? Having the ability to translate those melodies onto your instrument and to, to play what you're hearing in your head. But it also has everything to do with accompanying other instrumentalists to be able to listen to what they're playing and, and, and create something musical off of what they're doing. Having a great ear and responding to a group environment in a jazz setting is essential. You really need it. So so what I'm going to do in this episode is I'm actually going to be talking about some different ways that jazz musicians can use ear training to help them become better jazz improvisers. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into that. Okay, so one of the first things that I, I always suggest to every jazz musician or any musician at all playing whatever style of music they're working on, when it comes to ear training, I always suggest that you know your fundamentals, okay? This is very important. I'll say it one more time. Know your fundamentals. And really, in jazz in especially, it's a music that requires you to kind of already know a lot of fundamentals of your instrument and fundamentals of of music in order to execute it. And so that's especially why I, I want to drive home knowing the fundamentals of ear training. Now, when I say the fundamentals of ear training, what exactly am I referring to? In particular, in my mind, the fundamentals of ear training are knowing your intervals, interval recognition, and chord recognition. And I would also put into that chord progression recognition. I'm not going to go into that as much in today's episode, but definitely the ones that I that I think that everybody should have down to at least a pretty decent degree is interval recognition and chord recognition. Now, what's interval recognition? I'm talking about being able to hear what a minor third sounds like and recognize that it's a minor third or a perfect fourth or a minor seventh. And not only that, not 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 just the interval in general, but what that sounds like when it's ascending and what it sounds like when it's descending. It's important to be able to recognize these intervals because it's going to uh, help you be able to hear what these sounds sound like so that when you actually hear music in your head, you're able to hear, oh, well, that's a, a minor seventh interval. That's a major sixth interval going up. You'll be able to hear what those sound like and be able to translate those to your instrument if you understand how your instrument works, which is a totally different uh, matter altogether, a totally different thing. That's the technique of your own instrument, which is also important. So knowing your intervals is incredibly important, and it's just a basic of of you know understanding ear training. I would say it's it's in the category of maybe the ABCs of ear training, or maybe the uh, you know, basic sentence structures of ear training, you know, just those basics that everybody needs to know. It's going to help them build everything off of that. Okay. So let's do a little test really quick. Let's make this a little bit interesting. I'm going to play an interval for you and I want to see if you can get it. Okay. Here's the first one. Listen in. I'll play one more time for you. Okay, do you got your answer in your head? Do you know what it is? It is 
a major third interval going up. When I say going up, I mean that it starts on the root of the note and then it goes up in pitch to the major third. Now, the way I remember this particular interval is the song East of the Sun, West of the Moon. I don't know if you're familiar with that jazz standard, but that's the one that helps me memorize what a major third is because the first three notes are a major third. Okay, so that's how I remember that one. And everybody has different ways to memorize these intervals. And and essentially, that's what you need to do is associate these intervals with different songs that you know. They could be old nursery rhymes. They could be songs that you knew growing up. They could be jazz standards, like I just mentioned. In the show notes, uh, if you're on the website, I will have a link to uh, a particular article where I list out jazz standards for every single interval, whether it's going up or down, and how you can use jazz standards to associate with them. So if you're on the website, go to learnjazzstandards.com and then podcast in the top menu and find this episode 31, and then you'll be able to find that in the show notes. So I I encourage you to look at that, but also just use whatever songs work for you to memorize these intervals. So for the major third, that's how I remember that one with East of the Sun west of the moon. Okay, let's try another one. Listen in. I'll play it one more time. Okay, do you got that one? The answer is, it's a minor six going up. Now, the way that I memorize this one is also, again, from a jazz standard, and that's A Day in the Life of a Fool, or also known as Black Orpheus, or actually, it's originally Manja de Carnaval. It's a Brazilian song by Louis Bonfai. So it's actually not even really a jazz standard originally, Uh, and if you're a Brazilian, I apologize if I completely butchered how to say that, uh, but bear with me. So the way that song starts, the first opening line is... A day in the life of a fool. So, of course, that first interval, a day, is a minor six, and that's how I memorize it. So, I don't always memorize everything from jazz standards. I use other songs that I know as well, but so far we happen to cover the two that I actually do use jazz standards to help memorize. Okay, so now let's go over one more interval and see if you can get this one. All right, one more time. Okay, and the answer is it's a perfect fourth going down. Again, the root starts in one spot and then it goes lower in pitch to that perfect fourth. So that's what I mean when I say it's a perfect fourth going down. Now, what are some songs you can use to memorize that one? Well, of course... You know, some songs that come to my mind because uh, I'm from the United States are I'll be working on the railroad, so I'll be... It's a perfect fourth. Or maybe if you're uh, into Christmas carols, Oh, come all ye faithful, so come all is a perfect fourth. Or again, if you want to use a jazz standard... Uh, You could do softly as in a morning sunrise. Softly as in a morning sunrise. So softly. That's a perfect fourth going down. Okay, I'll stop tormenting you with my singing. I know, I know. But let's move on to the next fundamental I want to talk about, which is chord quality recognition. You have to be able to recognize what particular chords 
sound like. And the chords that I'm talking about are the main seventh chords. Now, it's important to under to uh, recognize your triads as well, but major seventh chords, minor seventh chords, dominant seventh chords, half diminished chords, and diminished seventh chords are the ones that I really want to focus on you being able to hear and understand. Because, of course, there's four notes in those chords at least, and you have to be able to hear all those different sounds and be able to uh, recognize what quality they are. And that's super important in jazz, especially when you're trying to learn songs by ears to be able to recognize these chords. Okay, so let's try a few for the same as we did with the intervals. Go ahead and see if you know what this one is. And one more time. Okay, do you have your answer? The answer is it's a dominant seventh chord. Okay, dominant seventh chord. What makes a dominant seventh chord a dominant seventh chord distinguished from a major seventh chord? Well, it's that flat seven. Okay, so you have to be able to recognize that sound. And how do you recognize them? Well, it's just simple memorization. It's the simple just hearing it over and over again and knowing it and be able to understand it and recognize it by ear. There's not really any really big tricks to be able, being able to recognize these other than just exposure. So expose yourself to them over and over again. Okay, let's do another one. Okay, this one may or may not be easier for some. But this is a major seventh chord, okay? A major seventh. It has that uh, very recognizable sound. But of course, it's easy to actually uh, get that one confused with the minor seventh chord because, of course, I could be playing the relative minor, for all you know. It really comes down to listening to the root of the chord to know what it is. So let's do one more here and see if you can get this. Okay, if you said diminish seventh, you would be wrong. <laughs> that one is often confused as a diminished seventh and vice versa. It's actually a half diminished chord or better known as a minor seven flat five chord. But the difference between a half diminished and a diminished seventh is the diminished seventh has a double flatted seventh while a half diminished only has a flat seven. So it's the root, the, the flat three, the flat five and the flat seven is a half diminished and a fully diminished seventh has a double flat seven. So those are hard to distinguish sometimes between the two of them and it takes some practice to actually listen. So that was uh, a minor seven flat five chord. Okay, now if you want to practice this more, I highly encourage you to take a look at the show notes. Again, if you're not on the website, if you're listening to this on iTunes or YouTube or somewhere else, go to learnjazzstandards.com, podcast in the top menu, find episode 31, and I'm going to have a link in the show notes that goes to interval tests and chord recognition tests. They're actual tests that go through all the of the different kinds of intervals, all the different chord uh, chord recognitions, uh, qualities, and you'll be able to test yourself, write your answers down, and then look at the test answers. And you can do this as much as you want until you really know those forwards and backwards. A lot of people have been using this as a resource on the website lately. So I'm going to have a link to that in the show notes. And I highly encourage you, if you need to work on your fundamentals a little bit more, then to check that out. 
Okay, now the last bit I want to talk about on this podcast today is how to actually use ear training in a jazz setting, how to actually practice ear training by adding jazz into the learning process, okay? And and really, there's so many different ways to do this with jazz, but I just want to talk about two today, focusing on two today that all of us can be doing now in our practice sessions all of the time. Uh, and the first one is to learn jazz language by ear. I've talked a lot about this on this show, and I'm going to keep talking about it over and over again. And, and when I say learning jazz language by ear, I mean learning jazz standards by ear, like whether you're learning repertoire by ear, learning the melody by ear, trying to learn the harmony by ear, and also solos, learning solos of greats by ear, or even licks, smaller phrases by ear and translating them onto your instrument. When you're able to do that, you're you're hearing music and you're having to translate it to your instrument, that's going to build your ear, and it's going to build that relationship between your ear and your instrument as well. Okay, so this is incredibly important to learn jazz language by ear. So uh, there's a student, uh, or there's several students actually, taking um, the 30 Days to Better Jazz Playing course right now. Uh, It's a course that we've been offering um, just to a select group of people here right now. But They've been asking me, well, hey, you know, one thing you're really having me do is 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 learn all this stuff by ear. You know, is it a big difference between learning it from sheet music? Like, can I just learn it from the sheet music? And I, I immediately tell them, well, you can do that. Of course, you can you can do whatever you want. But if you really want to learn that musical that musical material really well, Learning it by ear is by far, hands down, no arguments, no questions, the best way to do it. It's not even just for jazz. You can you can do this with other styles of music too, and it's just the best way to go about it. And one of the biggest uh, side effects, I guess is not the most appropriate word, but um, the effects of doing this is you build your ear incredibly. You just build up your ear by having to pick up stuff by ear and translate it to your instrument. So the practice alone, the struggle alone, because that's what that's what a lot of people email me about is they say, ah, it's really hard. It's taking me a long time. I'm not used to doing this. Well, the struggle is really what's going to help you improve your ear. That's a good thing to be struggling. And it only gets easier and easier as you keep doing it, as you keep working on it. It becomes easier for you to learn stuff by ear. And that's because your ear is getting stronger. Okay, so when when you're learning new tunes, new jazz standards, or any tune for that matter, try learning it by ear. And I don't mean just the melody. I mean also the chord changes. See if you can do it by ear first before going to a chord chart. Nothing wrong with using a chord chart to reference and, and also maybe to even check your work and compare and contrast. Remember that chord charts... Or, or, or music or even shoot music is not always correct anyways. Or sometimes it just depends on the version of the song you're listening to. So learn by ear. It really is, is going to help you. It's really going to improve your ear. So that's one thing straight away that you can always do as a jazz musician to improve your ear is just use your ear to learn things rather than sheet music uh, and, and things like that. It's much better to use your ear. Okay, now the second thing I want to talk about is transposing musical information, jazz language, into all 12 keys. Doing this really can open up your ear, and this is something that you can start doing now in your practice sessions. Okay, you don't have to wait to do this. You can start doing this now. 
Now, I talk about this, and I've even done a podcast episode on learning things in all 12 keys, but I'll just briefly summarize why it's important. Essentially, it helps you transpose the music that you've learned into other keys, which of course challenges your ear and causes you not to rely on muscle memory. It's so easy to learn a lick, an idea, a musical line, and get used to having played it in a certain key in a certain way on your instrument. And so it becomes muscle memory rather than actually coming from your ear. And in order to kind of get away from that, in order to get away from that uh, temptation just to automatically start playing things because of muscle memory, you need to transpose it into other keys. So if you play the first note on any possible note of that lick or line, you're going to be able to complete that line because you can hear it in your ear and you can translate it to your instrument. You don't need to know what all of the notes are by name, the C sharp to the D to the blah, 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 blah. You just need to be able to hear it in your head so that you can translate it onto your instrument. Now, I get a lot of questions from people. Well, why do I have to learn it all 12 keys? Why do I have to learn something in all 12 keys? Why can't I just pick a few different keys? Like, what's the point of doing all of that work? And let me tell you, some people find that certain keys on their instruments are easier than others. So that's one really great reason. You don't want to limit yourself to what you're comfortable with. You want to challenge yourself in those keys that are more difficult for you to play in. So that's one benefit. Also, it's repetition. If you only pick a few different keys, well, that's fine, and there's nothing wrong with that, but ultimately, the more the merrier, right? So the more keys you go through, the more times you're playing that lick, the more you're internalizing that lick, the more you're able to hear that lick, and the more you're practicing translating that lick from your ear onto your instrument. That's so important to do. That can really open up your improvisational techniques because your ear is expanding constantly. And the more musical language you take into all 12 keys, the better. It's such a great practice. So I can't stress that enough. To try taking musical information into all 12 keys, I guarantee you this kind of practice, it's really going to start opening up your ears. And when you have better ears, when you work on ear training, you are going to become a better jazz improviser. I guarantee it. All right, that's all for today's show today. I want to thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening to today's podcast episode. And if you have anything to add, how do you learn ear training? How do you work on ear training? Is there anything else that you do that I didn't mention today? Feel free to leave a comment in the comment section below if you're on the website. We'd love to hear from you. This is a jazz community and everybody is welcome to the table to give their input, not just me. Now, remember, if you got value at today's podcast episode, consider adding value back by leaving us a one-time monthly or annual donation. If you're on the website, you can press the support button below. Or if you're not on the website, go to learnjazzstandards.com slash support. We really appreciate your help in continuing to produce this podcast. Okay, now next week, we're going to be coming out with episode 32 of the LGS podcast. We're looking forward to seeing you then. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.